Hello, friend. Thanks again for joining us on our 260 challenge. Today, we're coming to you out of Romans chapter number nine. And in Romans chapter number nine, we're entering into some uh, some uh, rough chapters, verses 9, 10, and 11. We're venturing into what theologians would call election versus predestination versus the sovereignty of God. And there's no way that I can discuss these with clarity and, and all of what these important words mean in just a, a five or six minute podcast. But we are going through these uh, chapters, Romans uh, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and line by line. And we'll have a clear distinction of what these mean and how they apply to us. But as today we start reading Romans 9, let's be challenged by these verses. And we need to maybe first brush up on our Old Testament story just a little bit and maybe our Old Testament history to figure out exactly what Paul is trying to get across here. But Paul starts with the story of Rebecca and Isaac's children, Jacob and Esau, and it's something that God did after they were born. It's something that has really nothing to do with the children, but with the character of God. Verses 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 reads, it says, For this is the word of promise, at this time will I come, and Sarah shall have a son. And not only this, but when Rebekah also conceived by one, even by her father Isaac. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God, according to election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Verse 12, It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger. But as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. Remember the story of Esau and Jacob. They were twins, and Esau is the older, and, and of course Jacob being the younger. But who who is more important? It's the older one. The book of the book of Genesis is the window into that culture and what the times were like during uh, during that that time period. And one thing we see very early on is the widespread practice that when the elder son would inherit every bit of the family's wealth, this is how they would ensure that the family kept its status and kind of their place in society. The second or third son often got very little or sometimes nothing. And here's what I want you to see about the sovereignty of God. Pause first for a moment and just think about what is the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is God exercising his prerogative to do whatever he wants, however he wants, wherever he wants, as he pleases with his creation because he created everything and he owns everything. He has the authority to do that. It's his. It would be like if you come into my house and told Missy that I don't like the way you decorated this room or I don't like your furniture. You should you should move this here or buy this or do that. And, and kind of her response would be, and justifiably, well, whenever you can buy the furniture, whenever you want to pay the bills here, then maybe we'll consider your opinion. But right now your viewpoints mean nothing. Why? Because she's the owner. God is in charge of this planet and in charge of everything, so he gets to do what he wants. Now, I want you to go back to our verse here. Uh, but God, God's... Uh, God chose not not the oldest son to carry out his plans, but the younger one. Now, that's countercultural. Uh, when, what, sh- what we should be saying, and we always say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but we should be saying the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But now culture is not in charge. God is. Throughout the Bible, when God chose someone uh, to work through, he would choose whoever he wanted. And in this case, Paul reminds us that he chose the younger sibling in Genesis. Now think for a moment just about some other people that God chose. He chose Abel over Cain. He chose Isaac over Ishmael. He chose David over all of his, uh, I believe, 11 other brothers. And time after time, he chose not the oldest, not the not the one the world would expect him to or culture would expect him to. 
Not the one that everybody else said, yeah, he looks he looks he would be the one. No. He never chose from Jerusalem, as it were, but always the one from Nazareth. Then Paul finishes uh, on the sovereignty of God with these verses. Look in verse 14. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. In verse 16. So then, is it not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth? but of God that showeth mercy. Listen, the sovereignty of God is something that you can absolutely lay your head on and you can uh, have peace about it. It's a beautiful thing to not only know that God is in control overall, but he's also working everything out, everything good, everything bad, everything in between. God is in control of it. Let this sweet doctrine uh, be medicine kind of to your soul in any season that you're going through and understand that God can do what God wants to do. He don't care about culture. He don't care about uh, creed. He don't care about church. He don't care any, about anything that would limit him. He says, I'm in control. I'm God. And besides me, there's none other. So when man says, I wouldn't pick that one, or I wouldn't do it that way, or rather, conversely, the words of every dying church, we've always done it this way. God says, none of that matters to me. I can pick the youngest. If I choose, I can break every uh, folklore, every Every moray, every every man-made law, God says, I'm God, and I am still in control. So, friend, I want you to understand something. Never forget the sovereignty of God. Yes, we have free will. We can make choices, and we can choose to, to serve God, or we can choose to, to not serve God. We can choose salvation, or we can choose not to be saved. But ultimately, in, in life's great scheme of things, God is in control, and I'm so glad that he was in control of Christ on the cross, and I'm glad that he displayed that awesome and wonderful and amazing grace there that saved the wretch like me.